Hi, so welcome to this edition of The B Word, the podcast where we demystify everything to do with B2B branding, what it really is, how it works, and why it matters for businesses. My name is Jesse, co-founder of branding agency Designed by Structure, and your host for today's episode, in which we're going to talk about harnessing the power of brand to drive difference, recognition, and success. Joining me today is Andreas Brenner, founder of Jua, Switzerland-based AI startup, and before that, the successful fleet management tech system, Avrios, recently merged with Vimcar and backed by Battery Ventures. So a huge pleasure to welcome you, Andreas. Thank you for joining us today and discussing the brand elevation and brand creation exercises that we've gone through with you for Avrios and, and Dua. It's, it's great to be here, Jesse. I always love the energy in our conversations and I've loved the energy in Likewise. the last few years. Let's start, Andreas, by learning a little more about how you started out on this uh, entrepreneurial journey. So could I ask you, where did it all start for you? Where, where did you realize that you, you might have a calling to be an entrepreneur? And when did you realize that you had that entrepreneurial streak that needed to be, needed to be explored, Andreas? Where did it all start? I guess the very first entrepreneurial experience was, and I could maybe get into trouble for this, but... When I was a youngster, we didn't live very far from the zoo. There was the main road to the zoo. And I just made it a habit to close that road and just ask people for money to pass and get to the zoo. And, and I enjoyed, you know, that extra pocket money to buy some chewing gums. And I guess that's where it all started. But in reality, I got into computer gaming as a teenager, you know, got attached to the idea of building tech and building software and and really that thought didn't let me go since the time I was a teenager. I kind of always knew I was going to build my own tech or tech company at some point. So where did the idea for Avrios come from? When we first met you, that, that's what you were involved in. That was obviously solving quite a specific problem inside of quite a niche area of what, what you might know about if you worked in an enterprise, but you might not know about day to day. But where, where did that idea kind of come from? And where, where, when was that eureka moment when you knew that this was something that you wanted to de dedicate a few years of your life to, Andrea? So this was when I was working in our 60-year-old family business, which was a biomass logistics company. And I had to figure out what to do next. And I was always frustrated with this time it took to get an overview of what our cars would cost, right? We had to assemble data from accounting systems, from spreadsheets, whatnot. It took several weeks to get answers. I'm not a very patient person, so that was enough of a motivation for me to really, to really, you know, change this and solve this problem. So we started Avrios. What was the driver? I mean, like, you know, I'm a big fan of, of what you're doing at Dua, but what was the, what was the big, what was the big kind of moment when you realized that that could be something as well, Andreas? Absolutely. So, so I think I always think of the time at Avrios of me being more of a mercenary versus Dua kind of being more of my mission. And so I think that's really what happened on the, on the journey of building Avrios. We, you know, saw initial commercial success, saw it building. And then I started asking myself, so why do I get up in the morning and what's the story I want to tell to my children one day? And as much as I think Avrios is a very valid and great company, I felt like I wanted to use this privilege of being an entrepreneur, having certain access to capital, education, and so on. I wanted to use that for something even more ambitious than making cars kind of 10% uh, or so uh, less costly for other people. And, and that's 
where I decided to, you know, step back from my responsibilities at Avrios and started looking for, you know, something more aligned with advancing society. And it was always clear that it was going to be, you know, by way of technology, because that's the tool I understand. Um, stepping back from Avrios, fast forward about a year or so into searching the next thing, I met Marvin, my co-founder at Jua, who really brings passion for this topic of environmental modeling of weather and atmospheric modeling to the table. And I really think that with Jua, we can have, you know, planetary scale impact. We can basically augment human consciousness of nature if we do it right, if we execute well. And that's what really drives me. So you see it as particularly with, with Jua, solving a specific micro problem right now. So, you know, the, the, the trading and the high weather accuracy data but actually underneath that sits this kind of powerful layer of a bigger vision of how if we can harness technology into something as critical as environmental choices around crops planting whatever it might be actually that bigger idea that could almost be a proof of correctness and then it can scale right that, that's how you see it isn't it Andreas? that's that's absolutely right jesse i think you really captured the essence there and it's about this the greater impact that I think we can have by building this technology and commercializing it, that, that's really, that's really exciting. So, you know, I'm also, I'm also a strong believer in kind of entrepreneurship for good, or in other words, a capitalistic approach to improving the world. And, and so I really like yeah. that. I think Jura brings both of these things together, the mission, but also, you know, a, a massive addressable commercial opportunity. So are there, are there moments that you allow yourself to celebrate successes on your journey they can be small or they can be enormous right do, do you allow yourself as an entrepreneur to sort of celebrate those moments now now that you're at Jura and, and, and Avrios is, is, is its own success are you able to look back at that as a kind of fond parent of the success that you have in that in that moment and if so are there any particular moments you could share with us that you're quite you're quite proud of uh, as a as a creator an enabler of these businesses, Andreas? That's a big one because I think if anything, I need to learn to be better at celebrating kind of small, small successes. And I'm relatively ambitious and and so it's 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 not easy to celebrate small successes for me in that way. But I've gotten yeah. better over the years. I think but but of on the other side, I think I'm maybe proud of things that don't necessarily matter as much to the outside so i'm very proud for example of the last iteration of the culture or the progress we've made in avrios in terms of starting out with a culture that i think was almost you know toxic to the point where by the time we sold the company i think it was really a company where where most of the yeah. people really truly enjoyed working in, yeah. and you are combined that with a healthy high performance culture that the, the fact that we managed to build that is something I'm really, really proud of. Also, I think we've made a difference in quite a few people's lives. So at some point, you know, we've had more than 30 people employed in areas or in regions where it's not necessarily easy to get exposure to the tech industry. And I just think that makes a difference to, you know, entire families. Last but not least, of course, you know, of course, commercially, you know, Avrios is a reasonable success story and, and Jua time will tell. I'm very confident it will be an even greater success story. But yes. that's 
it's more of a side effect. So I, I love I love that we've built a great company. I love that we build a product that customers really love and they stay and they're they're loyal. And and these are things that I'm proud of. So great product, I think great culture. And then the commercial success for me and fundraising, all of that is is more of a consequence of that. To illustrate how how I tend to celebrate. So when we sold Avrios, I got a certain amount of money for that, of course. And, you know, the money arrived at 11 a.m. in the morning and then at 6 a.m. the next morning, my daughter came to the world. So I, I certainly celebrated, but I did not celebrate the money. I celebrated the birth of my daughter. So, <laughs> and that's, that tells a lot of amazing. I mean, huge congratulations from all of us for that. I, I thought you were going to say you went off on an amazing mountain bike ride through the, the veldt of South Africa, but that's an even better story. <laughs> I know that, that purpose-driven brands and brands that are solving a problem, whether it's time or, or reducing inefficiency, have always been important and a driver to you. You said that about Dua, and I think we always felt that about Avrios as well, even when we very first met you through, through, through Notion. But in terms of your experience of that branding process, at Avrios, you obviously had a, a team around you that, that were involved in that process as well. And then at Dua, you very kindly trusted trusted us just to work more directly with you. But would would you be able to talk us through what that process of going through that branding was like from your perspective, Andreas, if that's possible? Yeah, of course. So I think what I remember from the process back at Avrios and one of the key reasons why I chose to work with you again at Dua was that I had... I, I think, first of all, I underestimated the importance of brand and design. So I guess I was raised and I was personally a very analytical and, and rational person. And I couldn't really understand the, you know, hard RI of brand and and so on. And I think the Avrios project really opened my mind in that respect. And what I really liked about the collaboration was that you were very methodological about, you know, looking at... Mm broader competitive space in the market so it was it was there was an analytical foundation which which surprised me but that really helped to identify and to gain clarity to remove a lot of you know doubts and confusions about how should we be talking to the market what exact messages should we be sending and how do we build a brand that really helps us you know to grow the business because that's what we ultimately want so there was the rational side of it, but then also on the other side, there was, of course, this emotional side of it, which is so important because I think every buying decision starts emotionally and so and is then, is then justified rationally in B2B at least at the latest at the contract renewal. But I think the experience I've had was really, you know, it started analytical by looking at the competitive space, looking at where could our niche be, how exactly could we position ourselves, but then it got also really strong on the emotional side in terms of crafting a message that our audience could connect with, crafting a visual identity yeah. that our audience could connect with. And, and bringing these two things together for me was the unique experience of, of yet specifically working with you. And I think we did the same thing again with, with Jua. And with Jua specifically, yeah. we've gotten a lot of unsolicited positive feedback for our website, for our presentations, and so on and and people you know, quote that are one of the reasons why they talk to us i felt very strongly when we were working on the Dua project that you had some incredible science some i mean your, your co-founder like super intelligent 
And it felt to me that we needed to create something visually very memorable so that you were talked about not just for the science, but also these people know how to they know how to bring this to life, right? And I, I think that 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 piece we have animating there does that. And I'm we're really pleased with that. And it, it seems to have it's it's aging well, is what we'd say gracefully, Andreas, I think. So what in terms of, of Dua, has that brand has the brand and the act of the act of building those brand pillars correctly and thinking about what you are as a business did that help you in the fundraising as well did that help you bring clarity to the table on that fundraising when you're doing partnerships with authorities in in America or the UK or or in Switzerland around meteorological studies did, does it help you bring does it bring an air of authority to something that you know is going to be amazing but isn't yet there? Does that help with that, Andrea? Yeah, absolutely. So what I, what I said to you before was that more than once I've gotten unsolicited positive feedback and more than once people have quoted the appearance of our brand as one of the reasons they chose to talk to us or at least to respond, even though there isn't, if you look at our website, there isn't actually that much content there. We, you know, we, we're, we're moving fast, we're iterating quickly. And, and so we can't really, you know, maintain too much content. And, and so the appearance and the few messages that we send and to be succinct with, succinct with those messages is all the more important because we only send so few. So they must really hit the nail on the head. And so, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, from, from the response rates we're getting all the way through to just the unsolicited feedback we're getting, it's been it's been very powerful supporter of our outreach to the market. So if you were if you were if you were able to to crystallize some of that learning that you've got, and you were you were able to give somebody or your younger self a nugget of advice from going through all the things you've done, from charging people to come to the zoo to creating Avrios and and then realizing you wanted to create Dewar, can you think of a single piece of advice that you would you would give your younger self, Andreas? Like what? What nugget do you hold true to, to yourself as, a, as something you live by? Is there, is there anything that you'd share with your younger self, Andreas? That's a, that's a, big, <laughs> that's a big question. So, so I, think, I think if you have another two hours, I can, I can tell you about all the things that I've <laughs> learned. But certainly, I think certainly this, this kind of just staying true to what I want to do and how I want to do things, right? I'm, I'm very open to feedback, but I think my younger self, I wasn't necessarily, you know, as confident about the things that I'd identified as, you know, business opportunity or as ways to operate the business. And I think that was a big part of, you know, the cultural challenges I was describing at Avrios, where, you know, one advisor maybe pushed me in that direction, an investor in another, employees in yet another. And I didn't, I wasn't so much aware of who I am and what I stand for. And and therefore I wasn't so much able to really, you know, steer the ship in the way that I thought. And as a result of that, I felt like there was a point in time where I felt like oh, that's, that's not the company I wanted to create. And the more I started staying true to myself and to the things that I believe in, the more the company also became the kind of workplace that I wanted to, to work at and that I'm mm. in hindsight now proud of. So mm. I think to be open for feedback, but at the same time, 
you know, to, to stay cause and to, to stand up for what you believe in is, is certainly one of the big things I've learned as a, as a person and where I shape my character. Do you, do you rely on advisors and mentors to help you with that? Or do you, do you just spend time thinking about it yourself? Or do you, do you, do you create time for yourself to, to think about those things? How do you balance that, the ferocity of, you know, day-to-day entrepreneurial running a company busyness with finding those moments of calm to think about those bigger items that are really important ultimately to your well-being, but also to your company's success. It was a learning journey. And to summarize the outcome of that journey, I've learned that I need to be at peak health and I need to be centered so that I can be the best possible leader. And I used to do it the other way around. So I used to just work hard, put more time, ever more time, you know, get up at six, start right away you know, go to bed anytime, 11, midnight, whatever, and just still probably mentally be working. I don't do that anymore. So the outcome of the process is that I'd flip priorities. Instead of prioritizing the company first and thinking that this is the way to succeed, I understood I need to prioritize myself so that I can actually deliver the performance that I, that I want to. The process to get there absolutely relied on a several, on a support network, which included me working Mm -hmm. with a psychologist. I also worked with Mm. a mentor, so an experienced business person, entrepreneur. In addition to that, Mm. I solicited feedback from the people at Avrios. So we had a feedback tool where every week we Mm. got feedback. I, you know, we got someone in who interviewed people, interviewed them about, you know, honest feedback about me. And then also Mm. I was part of an entrepreneur's uh, peer group where every month we reflect in a structured way about you know, the month that's, that just passed. I think that's fantastic. I think, I think relying, on, relying on and leaning into as much expert advice as possible is absolutely the right thing to do. I think it's, uh, I completely concur. I, think it's complete, I completely agree. Finally, if you knew someone on your network that was contemplating a rebrand or starting something up and doing a brand, would, would there be any kind of advice that you would give them based on what you've learned from working through you know, a, a repositioning and a rebrand with Avrios, but also a, a brand from start with Jua. Yeah, absolutely. So I think some of the things that I've learned are, number one, a brand is not just a visual identity. And I think almost every agency out there gives you only a visual identity. So you go there, you tell them, and the process typically mm-hmm. starts with, look, you know, what do you like? Which website do you like? Which brand do you like? We'll do something similar. I'm oversimplifying here, but that's what... That's 90% of the pitches we got in both beauty contests, both at Avrios and and Jua, right? When we looked at various uh, agencies Mm -hmm. to potentially partner with. And that's not Mm -hmm. it. That's not the essence. That's the outcome. But that's not really the essence of the brand. The essence of the brand is, you know, how how does it support the business? And how do we position the business in a way that, you know, it can help drive revenue, so, so to really think strategically about brand and to make it a part of the or aligned with the company strategy and to find the agency or the expert that can help to do that, that, that I think was the biggest thing I've learned. I've also, as you see with Jua, we've done a professional brand process at the pre-seed stage, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think, you know, I'm putting the money where my mouth is in terms of saying I really prioritize mm-hmm. brand and and I invest in it early and I really see the benefit of that. Everything about Dua, everything about it looks 
professional, credible. It looks like a business that knows what it's doing and where it's going. And I think I've always felt quite strongly that you've always known that and your co-founder clearly knows that as well. So our job with the brand was to make sure the brand kind of captured that spirit you all have inside you, but put it on the on the screen. So it's like the, you're, you're sure of where you're going, but somebody else needs to see that that brand is also sure of where it's going because you are as well. So it was almost a a manifestation of your your inner kind of motivations. I I, I really believe that. So I'm I'm really glad it's gone well, Andreas. I'm really pleased. So look, thank you for joining me today. It's been amazing speaking to you, Andreas. I I always really enjoy our time together. My only regret is I'm not in I'm not in South Africa and I can't come around and say hi and, and meet your family. But I'm super aware of how busy you are. So I'm I'm very grateful for your time and and I do hope we get to meet um, in person soon and and have a chat about about more of those existential topics about how we live our lives and what we want the future of the world to be which i'd, I'd welcome so i hopefully some point in the future andreas thank you jesse it was a pleasure as always and i hope likewise i'll be in london soon and let you know thank you so much i'll speak to you then bye-bye thank you bye-bye thanks for listening and don't forget to join us next time on the b word